Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having fondlessness, having fondlessness. With Jen Kirkman. Having funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 333 for April 29th. Well, if you're a subscriber to my Patreon, you actually could get this episode. You could have. You could have had a bad bitch. You could have had this episode earlier. The video version will always come out. Well, let's not say always, but usually comes out a few days earlier. And for five bucks a month, you can get the video version. And then look, you get uh, gorgeous views of my apartment. And uh, I've got a real cool ring light, so it makes my eyes look pretty. I'm winking at you. Um, yeah, so you can do that. And it's five bucks a month, so you get four videos a month. And a 20-minute bonus episode, which is not a video, but it's still a bonus episode. And other random bonuses I throw in, which do include little clips of stand-up sets I've done on the road that maybe you didn't get to see. And this goes to all the Patreon subscribers out there. At the $10, the $15, the $20, the $25 level, the higher the level, the more bonuses. And then the highest levels, you get some merchandise. That's on me. So there you go. It's the best and only way to support me right now. Uh, I would actually say the the other way that you can support me if you want to is my latest Netflix special, Just Keep Living, which was came out three years ago. I recorded a 20-minute or 25-minute bonus thing for it where I, where I explain what went on behind the joke. I tell you like which routines were based in truth, what ones I exaggerated. And you can buy that through my record label. And if you buy it, they will send you a download card, but you will also get a poster that says, I meditated today, motherfucker. And it's one of those lithograph hand done posters. And so uh, myself and my record label, A Special Thing Records, we 100% split those costs. So if you buy t-shirts and things in my merch store, I only get about 22% 22% of that. So this is the best way. And you're supporting a small business. So if you go to um, astrecords.com or just Google a special thing records, and then you can, once on their website, you can go to artists, you click my name, Jen Kirkman. And from there, you will have the option to, um, oh no, I lied. You go to a special thing records, don't go to artists go to releases. Sorry about that. Um, and then you can click on Jen Kirkman, Just Keep Living. And from there, you will get the autograph poster and the download card. And that money goes directly to myself and my amazing 
record label run by two two awesome guys. So, and I've been with them forever. They put out my first record too. So there's a little uh, promo up top. I'm having a quarter glass of wine. That was all that's left, and I don't really want more than that. Um, so this episode's going to be fun. I already know it. Last week was fun too. This week, we're going to read some listener emails that had to do with subjects from last week, like pen pals. I'm going to tell you about this collect call scam that I used to do as a kid. We're going to read an article about an elderly couple who hangs out on the border and has a romance during Corona, and the guy was actually supposed to be with another woman, but he's with a new one. That's kind of a fun fun story. I'm going to talk about somebody broke into my iTunes and bought a bunch of porn and all of the Jackass and Harold and Kumar movies, and my not-so-hilarious experience with uh, Apple security, and how I'm either freaked out that I have multiple personalities and I bought them, or that there is hacking going on uh, beyond WikiLeaks. I mean, this big stuff, big stuff happening in my life. And I'm also going to talk about, um, oh, I don't know, a couple other things. Let's not make too many promises. So... Let's just start. I'm going to start actually with listener emails. I don't normally do this for the new listeners. You might think like, what is this? Just all inside info? No, no, no. But as long as it's at the top of mind, let's talk about stuff that referenced last week. So uh, last week I read an article about scientists who did a study on people who did not want to sit alone in a chair with their own thoughts for just 10 to 15 minutes. They instead chose to get an electric shock. (laughs) And so one of my Patreon listeners, a a great supporter of mine throughout the years, he's come to many shows. He and his wife are great people. The fabulous Jeff, I will read an email from him. Hey, Jen, regarding the whole choosing to torture oneself over being alone with one thoughts thing, one thing I've recently discovered that I personally enjoy is the time between the moment I get to my seat on a plane and the moment it's finally in the air. Sigh, remember when travel was a thing. Since I can't get on my laptop at that point, I've learned to just close my eyes and think about things I'm looking forward to. I try to keep negative thoughts at bay at least for a few minutes. Even though I could read a book or fiddle with my phone during that time, I prefer that 20 to 30 minute period to be my thinking time. I've almost come to look forward to that, which would have been so unlike me. Hope all is well with you on day 9,999 blah, blah, blah of quarantine. Jeff. First of all, Jeff um, has written a ton of books. And his latest book is called Drink Like a Geek. And it's on Amazon, so I highly recommend it. Uh, Drink Like a Geek, Cocktails, Brews, and Spirits for the Nerd in All of Us. It's a look at iconic drinks and the roles they've played in our favorite movies, shows, books, and comics. It's also a toast to the geeks, nerds, and gamers who keep this culture alive. Um, It's a really great gift. It's a really fun book. And hey, you know what? You're at home. Start making cocktails. So Jeff, drink like a geek. Go find that book. Well, I'll give you Jeff's last name. Cialetti. I'm probably saying it wrong. C-I-O-L-E-T-T-I. There you go. Plug in Jeff. What a great gal I am. Anyway. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I was thinking today, I really do kind of miss being on airplanes. And I think the thing that freaks me out is since nobody's flying and the airlines are losing money. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know. You know how it is when giant corporations lose money. I'm not like, boo-hoo. I mean, I am, of course. But you wonder, you know, with some corporations, you're like, oh, you know, they could lose a ton of money for a year and still be fine. But what I worry about is where are the costs being cut? Are we at the point yet where we're like, nah, we don't need that many mechanics to fix the loose screws in between every flight. I mean, I'm worried for when everything starts back up, you know, and there's a vaccine for Corona and I took that antibody test and hopefully I find out that I already had it and it means I'm a superhero and you can't get it again. And, you know, meanwhile, the next big uh, pandemic is brewing, but you know, in the 30 days we'll have in between pandemics, Why do I feel like it's just going to be pandemic after pandemic after this? So, you know, I'm not like, in one way I'm thrilled to get back in the air. Not to go on the road, by the way, but just thrilled to travel again. But I'm scared about what 
what might be missing from the air, airlines, you know? I don't need any snacks. I don't need any waters. I don't need any champagne. Get rid of that first before you get rid of the uh, people fixing things or the parts. You know, don't don't get some discount parts. Whew. I really don't miss stand-up, you know, and I was having a hard time with it before anyway, not like a hard time do, doing it. Of course, I'm a wonderful performer. But when you're when it's just not happening at the level that you kind of need it to at a certain age, so you're not like doing 50 shows a year to make ends meet, it was just too much, you know. If I had 2,000-seat theaters I was playing every time, I could just do 10 cities a year and it would be a dream. But I really, um, you know, I love like the Spalding Gray, the Eric Bogosians, the one-man show kind of people. And when I first started in comedy, I, I really didn't know about the whole gender thing. Of course, girls can do whatever they want. But what's confusing for girls is when they approach the world with that confidence, but they find out like, well, you can think you can do whatever you want, but you still quite can't because it has to be about, you know, I realize like some of the most successful female comics, sometimes it's about female stuff. Um, I just want to be like a generic neutral comic. Like I might talk about stuff that's related to being a woman, but it's really about maybe a certain generation. I just want to be not gender neutral, but just, yeah, what men, women can enjoy me, but you're going to get a smaller percent of the population if you just do that. But I, I just feel, I've never felt like a woman, whatever that's supposed to feel like. And so, uh, anyway, I, but it, getting back to when I first started, I wanted to do more monologue stuff. I didn't even care if it was funny as long as it was interesting. And, and this podcast is a very lazy version of that. I mean, it's all improvised. But to write a monologue to perform, I really, I loved watching Spalding Gray work. I was a box office uh, worker, ticket person at the box office at my college, Emerson College at the theater, and he was um, rehearsing, and I opened the box office door, which is the back of the house, and I looked on stage, and he said, shut that damn door, and I was like, oh, God, and then he jumped off a ferry a few years later, so there you go. God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. You never know what's going on in someone's head, God bless, but, um, you know, I want to do more stuff like that, and you go, do it, do it. No, of course I can do it, but then you need to, like, you know, do you know how many times I've tried to get on This American Life? Like, I talked to the producer for an hour, and I'm like, well, here's the story. I took this fear of flying class, and I, and it ended in a terrorist attack, which is a true story. And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean? Put this on the fucking show. So, um, you know, you need something like that, and then you kind of hit, and then people will come see you do your monologues. So, uh, so far I have you, dear listeners, and then, like, a ton of men that secretly hate me that just heckle me in my comments. <laughs> and... Bernie supporters who hate me. So that's my audience, mainly people who hate me. Um, but anyway, so I don't miss, I, I hope I get some headspace and some free time this year to kind of rethink what I want to put out in the world because I'm not going to be running around the way I was before. Hell no. There's not going to be any more of this. Well, what time works for you? You know, sometimes when I would be scheduling things back in the pre-pandemic days, you know, I like to wake up in the morning. I do this meditation while I'm laying in bed. That's It's, it's four before you get up. Then I do like my little spiritual routines. Then I do a second meditation sitting in the chair. Then take a shower, get ready, eat some breakfast. And now with the pandemic stuff, I'm doing an hour of ballet at home. Boston Ballet. That used to be me when I used to answer phones there. Not ballet, not Boston Ballet. Boston Ballet. It's like Howard Stern with WNBC. And then I uh, now I'm going back out taking walks. There's less people out. Uh, I don't know if I've scared everyone in the neighborhood with my yelling about masks, but um, it's a lot less crowded. I think it's because it's been in the 90s. Um, and I don't prefer the heat, but the heat doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me when all I'm doing is taking an exercise walk. I'm going to sweat. It's going to suck. That's what that is. Um, I, I mind the heat if I'm like in a cute outfit and on the subway in New York or something. But um, so I, I think other people are just over it and not going outside. But I, I want to keep up those kind of rituals. And I, I used to do stuff like that. And then, you know, I'd get up at 6 a.m. so that by the time I got to my writing job at 10, I felt like I had some kind of check-in with myself, you know, and then check emails. And then people call, oh, you have this sudden audition. Oh, you have a sudden meeting. Oh, these people need a writer. Do you want to talk to them? Or, hey, blah, blah, blah. 
there's always things coming up last minute and I get very emotionally shook when something happens last minute. It's not that I don't like change. It's that I'm just like, oh, blah. yeah, I don't know. I wish everyone would submit their request for what they need me for on January 1st and I can create the schedule, but that's just not how life works. And so, uh, but I used to just feel so overwhelmed that if someone said, Hey, do you want to have dinner? I'd be like, sure, where, what time? I'll come to whatever part of town. I just gave up after a while even trying to organize my life. And I'm not doing that anymore. You know, now when people call, I hit send a voicemail and I text and say, I've got so many people calling. I would like to make a phone date. Like what, what time can we talk? This doesn't work, you know? Or so many people have asked me to do their online stand-up shows and I don't want to. Maybe someday I will, but I don't want to now. And I, I'm not doing anything anymore for fear of missing out. Or what if I'm not on the next wave of this? Oh, well, what if? So I'm just doing what I want, which is plenty. And, but I don't need to be running around like I'm the fucking running the world. And I don't need to have this packed calendar all day long. That's not ever been something that's validating to me. I'm very lucky that very, I need very little validation. I just like to make a living and I would like people to not think I suck at what I do. But beyond that, I don't need like that kind of extra validation. Is it getting dark in here? Yeah. Um, do you want to see a little household cutie thing? I take all my, I have uh, LED candles on my deck. I take them in at night because it gets so hot the next day in the morning. So I just put them out at night, but so remember, I don't know if you guys know, I'm such a fan of Pier 1. I know it's cheesy, but they're all closing. And like a few months ago on an episode, I was like, my biggest paranoia is that all the Pier 1s will close. Well, they did. Anyway, I, I bought a bunch of stuff on sale before they closed, but this is like a little, you know, LED candle thing. And I put it on my porch, but I added these little fairy lights to it. So it looks really cute and twinkly. You have to see it outside. It's hard to tell because I have that stupid light on that stupid ring light. Um, anyway, that, this is, this is, this is an episode that's really going to be for someone that already loves the show. New people, you might be like, it's a little scattered. What's happening? Well, that's what's happening. Okay. I'm trying to get back into my computer so I can read the next listener email. Thank you, Jeff. Jen, thank you. I loved Crab Rangoon as a kid. So fancy. I always thought that's, I talked about last week, the American Chinese food dish, Crab Rangoon, which is only in some areas of the United States, which as I was saying it out loud last week, I realized, oh wait, that's my child brain thinking they only had it in Massachusetts because that's the only place I'd ever been as a kid or ever lived. I mean, I'd been to Florida, but uh, we never went to Chinese food in Florida. And then I think I moved to New York and they didn't, I think I may have ordered it like in my early twenties, but I think I was at a real good Chinese food restaurant. And people were just looking at me like I was some dumb hillbilly. So I'm realizing that, and I don't desire to eat crab rangoon anymore. So I'm not looking for it. So of course it probably still exists as everyone keeps writing me. I have it where I live. I haven't. So a long time. I seem funner here. Gay guy, Gen Xer, ooh, ooh, gay guy, Gen Xers. Make yourselves known if you listen to my podcast. I want that to be my only demo. No offense, everyone else. Oh, I'm kidding. I love you all. Um, I may have shared both of these stories before, but here it goes. Neither of them sounded familiar, so I'm reading them. I also had an international pen pal when I was a kid. I have no idea why or how it came to be. But he was an Australian kid my same age. Isn't that weird that you get to a certain age and you're like, I just don't remember. Someone's like, what about... In sixth grade, you're like, I, I don't remember. Like, no, I wasn't traumatized. It's just the disc is getting full. We're, we're deleting items to, to make more room. Um, anyway, I have no idea why or this pen pal came to be, but he was an Australian kid my age. I don't remember much about it, except that he sent pictures of his house, and I thought it looked weird and unfurnished. No in home interior brass owls, <laughs> etc. He sent drawings of penises which I thought was so gross. So I abruptly ended our pen pal relationship. Oh my God, that is so funny. That is the original. See kids, back in our day, we had to draw our dick pics. I mean, whew, you don't know how easy you kids have it. You just put your camera down your pants and snap away and email it to someone. Well, in our day, we had to draw pictures of dicks, find a pen pal, put 
the picture of the dick in the mail, lick a stamp, and wait seven to ten days to see if they got it. And then we wouldn't even know if they got it. If they never wrote back, we'd be like, I hope that dick pic wasn't lost in the mail. Also, I was a member of the B-52's official fan club, a paper zine, of course. Oh, my God. When do we explain what zines were to the kids? Uh, I received this chain mail sort of thing where fans would literally staple a note to an ongoing stack of drawings and send them to other fan club members. So analog and cool looking back. As a closeted and horrified little gay preteen, I was shocked, clutched the pearls, to see notes from out gay people. So I sent the stack of notes back with a no thanks message. What a weird thing to do, he writes. Anyway, thanks for all you do. We are listening. <laughs> I don't know who we are. Justin in Tennessee. Oh, what a sweetie. Um, speaking of the gays, there's a great movie on Netflix. I was actually going to sit and watch it tonight and just sit and watch a movie like a normal person, but I wanted to get the podcast out of the way. So I might watch it later or tomorrow night. Um, I think it's called Circus of Books. It's on Netflix, and it's a documentary about this famous gay, like hardcore gay porn bookstore, you know, magazines and dildos and books you read and videos um, in Los Angeles. And it's really interesting. Yeah, it's called Circus of Books. And it's really just about this kind of like normal average Jewish family in Los Angeles, this literally mom and pop bookshop. The kids didn't really know what their parents did. They just knew they ran a bookstore. And when they went to the bookstore, they were told to look down. <laughs> and um, it became a place that was, you know, a hotbed of gay rights uh, happenings. And it was a really important place. And anyway, I'm doing it no justice, of course. But it's it's really great. I watched like 10 minutes of it. Um, it's called Circus of Books on Netflix and the daughter of the, you know, the daughter that's in the family, the daughter of the people that ran the bookshop did the documentary. So there you go. Something for you to enjoy if that's what you enjoy. Uh, then a last one. I don't know who this is from. I didn't put her name in there. Listening to the latest episode, and I so relate to the excitement of foreign stamps. When I was younger and I would receive letters or cards from abroad, I was obsessed with the stamps and would sit and read all of the addresses of where the person mailed them and think that that was amazing that someone in another country went to a post office there to post something. I was pretty obsessed with other countries as a kid, and I remember just looking at maps all of the time and tracing it with my finger and wondering about going there, much like Cher in Mermaids. Ha, ha, ha. Have a lovely day. Oh, Sharon Mermaids. We all know my Cher story that I had a private meeting with her in Vegas and uh, that Mermaids, the hospital scenes were filmed in my hometown of Needham, Massachusetts. Why I did not go and even try to look at the filming, I don't remember. I'll have to ask my mother. Maybe we didn't even know it was filmed there until after it was filmed. I'm not sure. You know, word didn't travel around so easily back in those days. Um... So that was reminding me of the collect. I know I, I was thinking about collect calls. I'm like, do, do young people even know about collect calls anymore? So, you know, because pay phones are becoming not a thing. I mean, it was interesting right before coronavirus went crazy. Like sometime in February, every single pay phone in New York was removed. So that's really the end of an era. And I remember when I moved to New York, Using pay phones. I didn't have a cell phone. I moved there in 98. I mean, I think people had cell phones then, but it's really quite an expense for someone that didn't need one. You know, I had a pager because I did have a manager and she'd call me, I got an audition for you. But it was something that she, anyone could have read in Backstage Magazine, but she would page me and I'd run. I'd run to the nearest pay phone, get my dimes and quarters. Hi, Shelly. Hi. Get, get to Blah Blah Street at five o'clock. Okay. I'm uh, just reminiscing about the old days. So when I was a kid, if you were... Now, my family was very strict, and there was never any vagary about where I was or what time I was to be picked up, but this was a thing that would happen sometimes. Is um, 
you know, if you're at the mall with your friends or something, you're at the movies, maybe you changed locations or the movie ended earlier. Anyway, and you didn't have any dimes or quarters on you because as a young person, 12, 11, 10, why would you? And so you'd, you'd make a collect call because back in the day, every phone call cost money. Even you picking up the phone to call your grandmother a few towns over. Oh, I got to go. Your phone bill, but your phone bill must be so high. Oh, I'll let you go. I'll call you next time and put it on my phone bill. I mean, that, you don't hear that anymore. There's no phone bill in that sense. You just, everything's unlimited. We had, we had no unlimited back then. That wasn't a thing. So, I mean, long distance calls. Woo. See them all, the charges when you got the bill. Who called Tennessee? The cute boy from school moved there. Anyway, so what would happen with a collect call is you would, I th- God, I'm even forgetting, you would hit zero for the operator maybe, and they'd say, to make a collect call, um, God, that was even, bo- okay, there was eventually automated, but there was also an opera, hello, collect call, and you'd say, okay, I want you to dial this number, and, and who may I say is calling? And you would say, Jen. And as someone would pick up, hello, hi, will you accept a collect call from, you would scream over the operator, pick me up at the movie theater. Where it's, it's, the movie's out, I'm outside. And then just hang up. So that way, so they would, they would have to say, hello, I have a collect call from Jennifer. Do you accept? And then if they said yes, they'd patch you all through. And then your mother would get mad because a collect call is expensive. But then they became automated. So you would dial and it would say to make a collect call, you know, dial one or whatever. And you would hit one or dial one. And they would say, please say the name of the person making the collect call. And instead of saying your name, you would go, it's Jenna at Baskin Robbins. Come pick me up. And then the collect call would go through. You hear your mother answer, hello. You have a collect call from Jenna at Baskin Robbins. Pick me up. And then you'd hang up the phone. <laughs> Oh, that's how we beat the system. You kids think that you're all having a revolution. We already had one. We already had one. We took those collect calls and we stuck it to the man. So somebody else sent me an email, and this is a fantastically great story that that I'm just going to tell you about. So... um Someone sent me an email about this couple. I was just reading it. Here it is. She said, Jen, I I think that you would love this article. Um, From the New York Times. It's a corona-related, sorry, but... I won't... Usually I save my articles until the end. Well, maybe I'll save it until the end like we've always been doing. What What do you think about that? when I read to you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I'll read to you at the end. How about that? Story time with Jen. Hey, real quick, I want to plug something. I'm just in such a generous mood today. My dear friend, hilarious comedian, my God, I haven't seen him in person in years, Dave Hill. Um, Any of you who've been fans of mine for a long time know I used to do his uh, podcast a lot or whenever I'd go to New York. Uh, I don't or he used to have a radio show on uh, WFMU. Um, Anyway, Dave Hill's great. Done a lot of shows together with him in my life. He has a new, uh, he got banned on Twitter because anytime, just anytime someone politically, like anytime someone right wing would try to troll him, he would just quote tweet it and write, your mother does that, like super dirty your mother jokes to people. And it was so funny and Twitter banned him permanently so he cannot promote his own album and he's so funny so 
his album is out now. It's called The Pride of Cleveland. It's on a record label called 800 Pound Records. And all you have to do is uh, Google Dave Hill and Google The Pride of Cleveland, and I'm sure it'll come up. It's on iTunes and Spotify and all the things. So enjoy that. Um, Musically, if you're looking for something fun, my friend, that's right, my friend, um, Sandra Lurcher, Lurche, I always say his name wrong. He, uh, we met, we did a Largo show together a few months ago. He super loves comedy. He has a lot of comedy friends. He was like, you're so funny. I'm like, you're so genius. I've always known his music. Not always, actually. Didn't even find out about it until like a year ago, but I love it. It has this kind of Portuguese, almost like, um, oh, I can't explain it, but uh, it's great. But it's singer-songwriter music. I don't know why I said Portuguese, but you hear it. It has a Gilberto kind of thing to it. Um, Joao, J-O-A-O, you know that person I'm talking about. Anyway, Sandra, um, he has a new album coming out in June called Patience, but he sent me a new song off the album, which is so beautiful. And it's I think it's called Why Would I Let You Go? And I believe you can listen to it now um but you can also pre-order his album and yeah so why would i let you go it's he's just such a beautiful voice he's such a genius do you know what i'm saying with that sound it's a really sad song it's very prescient Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, it's great. So there you go. There's your music. There's your comedy. Um, so, by the way, so, okay, I'm enjoying, uh, hey, you know what? Let's, let's, let's go to Nuance Corner. You know my whole rant about Ricky Gervais and his non-offensive but he thinks it is but it is but not in the ways that he wants it to be comedy and like he acts like an open micer with a beer in his hand at the golden globes and i just can't take it and he's riling up a generation of dumb people who don't really understand how to smell bullshit in comedy well as you know part of my disappointment is that i'm a a gervais fan The, the office is a miracle the british offices and extras oh my god amazing and I didn't want to watch his show Afterlife because I've just been so annoyed with him. I just don't, ugh. And I put it on and I was like, I'll just watch it. Now, and this is not a criticism, but his character, so his, his wife has died and his character is like, I'm just miserable. And until I kill myself, I'll wait till my dog dies and then I'll probably kill myself. And I'm just going to say where the fuck I want to anyone and be mean because I don't give a shit. Life means nothing and nothing scares me anymore. It's like a superpower. It's a great premise. And what's cool is like his wife is actually, you know, in flashbacks and stuff. So you get to see him with her and you realize like, oh, this is actually a very sweet person. He's just hurting. But there's a few things in the first few episodes that he does when people are annoying him. And he gives these kind of ranting takes to them about religion and about pop culture and and you go oh well, that's just like a stand-up comedian's not his act per se but that's their point of view and 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 their show is probably created in a weird way to service this point of view in a, in a way how can i say these things and have it you know be part of a larger story now that's the whole point of every comedian having a tv show so not a criticism but those parts of the episodes are my least favorite but it is, I mean, I was crying so many times. Just like put the remote down, hit pause, well, hit pause them, and then just sob. And I know we're in a pandemic and there's a lot going on and lots of reasons to cry. But that was the thing that, that was the thing that got me. And it's beautiful. I just think it's great. I really, really like it. It's very sensitive and sweet. And I love the show Afterlife. There you go. It's not like my favorite show in the world. I'm not going to revisit it over and over like The Office, but it's very tender and kind. And I like those kind of comedies where there's crying, you know? So there you go. 
see nuance in the world of Jen Kirkman. We don't like one thing about someone. We like another. Oh, my God. Nobody has to be canceled. We don't have to make big declarations. I'm also enjoying Better Call Saul. I got in this dark place, though, for a few days where I just felt very dark. And I was like, oh, I'm binging Better Call Saul. That's why. I mean, like, this show is dark. Now, I never watch Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. You should. What? Oh, my God. I have to call everyone and tell. Oh, my God. You'll never convince me to watch it. Just give up now. It was always on at home. My ex-husband loved it. The Wire, the same thing. It's just not my thing. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The nuance ends here. But I love Bob Odenkirk. I don't know him too well, but I know him obviously from the comedy scene around LA. And also he used to work closely with my uh, ex-husband who's an editor and Bob used to like just show up in our living room and be like, hey guys. <laughs> he really is a charming. And I used to just love watching him work at the UCB theater. We'd do the same kind of alternative shows. And I just loved his stand-up, you know, which was, again, like a storytelling kind of stand-up. And he just did this whole routine about Disney World. And I, God, this was probably 2005, six. I don't remember, so long ago. And he was just talking about, um, you know, like Walt Disney going, smoking going ah, put some fake grass over there they'll fucking eat that shit up <laughs> the punchline that he kept saying was they'll fucking eat that shit up it was great you had to be there god i'm so glad i did used to leave my house when i was younger and go and do things and very grateful very grateful for the really fun life i've had I and mean, when people go how do you look so young i don't know could it be i mean look it's the ring light like i do have wrinkles on my forehead but if i here let me show you so, oh, <laughs> I forgot it's dark in here. I don't have the lights on. But I have total wrinkles in my forehead, but even this ring light, like, kind of washes them out. So, you know, I definitely look at my 40s, which 40s isn't old, so it's fine. But I know I have a youthful thing about me. I just think it might be all those years of, like, just kind of being like, whatevs, laughing. I don't know. I don't know. I really can't explain it. Um, but very stressed. My anxiety starting to get to me. I used to have night terrors. It's kind of a thing that's coming back. I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to invite more. Don't worry. I work on it in therapy, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I had my iTunes. I still don't know what happened. My credit card number was stolen, which makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of online fraud going on right now because of so much ordering and all this stuff. But I think it was from a, um, I know what it was from. It doesn't, I don't have to go into it, but totally fine. Like I got the money back and it, it's like this kind of emergency credit card I never use anyway. And I kind of use it at like janky gas stations knowing like if it gets stolen, it's not my checking account, like who cares? So that happened, no big deal, but it was actually, um, interesting because then it was, uh, I don't know how to explain it. This is not that good of a story, but it was, there was a different card that was on my iTunes. Oh, no, no, sorry. That card was connected somehow. No, sorry. I lied again. Apple Pay, you know, that thing you can have in your wallet, I had a different card connected to Apple Pay. So just keep that in mind. But I'm not like thinking, I'm like, oh, okay, I got charges on this other thing. I have a business manager who does, you know, so she was like, oh, you got these charges, we're gonna take care of it. Oh, okay. So then, because I'm technically incorporated as a corporation because uh, that's usually what performers do who are their own small business. So anyway, none of that is important. So I'm on my Apple TV and I see all this stuff like porn party and Harold and Kumar and um, Jackass. And I was like, I, you know how it is. It's like you got your Hulu, your Netflix, all your things. So I thought it was like advertising me those movies. Oh, this is what's popular in iTunes right now. I was like, God, people are watching the worst stuff right now. I didn't realize those were actually on my TV. 
I own those movies. I didn't buy them. So then I'm sitting around. I get an email from Apple saying, you know, every once in a while I'll buy something from iTunes, right? You buy an album. You get an email a couple of days later saying, oh, your album, you know, Led Zeppelin 3. Here's the charge, $9.99. You go, great. So I got this email. Here's all the movies you bought. I'm like, I'm buying these movies, bitch. Harold and Kumar, Porn and Sluts and Sluts. Um, and, you know, the aforementioned jackass movies. And I was like, of all the things, you know, does anyone ever steal your credit card to buy the Criterion Collection or, you know, like Ingrid Bergman? No, it's always like just the worst shit. Like you had to steal to watch this shit comedy. And then, of course, I'm offended. I wonder if anyone's stealing credit cards to watch my comedy. So I'm like, I didn't buy this shit. And I'm like, oh, well, my card was stolen. That must be it. But then I go on my account. I'm like, but wait, this isn't the card that was stolen. This is a different card. Were both card numbers stolen? Oh, shit's getting crazy out there. So I cancel that card as well. And I put in my Amex. Those are the three cards I have in my life. And I'm like, literally, the next day, I get another email. The other Harold and Kumar movie you bought on the Amex has come through. I'm like, no, how is someone stealing two credit card numbers that quickly? It can't, it's got to be the Apple ID. It's someone has access to my Apple password, which makes no sense because I have that two-factor authentication shit. I'm very, very paranoid about that. I can't. I never remember my Apple ID because it's like 40 sentences. It's like a, a short story. And if I'm, you know, like I just put, uh, I just got a new Apple TV in, in my other room because the, the, the one I had was so old, it wasn't working. So I, you know, and they were like, what's your iTunes password? And I was like, oh, I don't fucking know. And I had to go look it up and, and put it in and it's all my passwords are protected. And so I was just confused and starting to get a little scared because I was like, is somebody in here? I mean, I'm in a small apartment. It's like, there are other rooms that you can't see, but they can't really fit a hiding person. I've looked in the, cl when I come home at night, I literally look in the closet. I look in the guest bathroom. I look in the tub there. I open the coat closet and I seriously just scared myself. I have to go look. Hang on. Okay. Whoops. Oh, yep. All right. Sorry. I know that's totally insane. That this is this is what quarantine's doing to me. I'm like starting to lose my shit. So things are going things are going haywire. So I, I call Apple. I I talk to this one do do doongus head. And I know they're going to say, did you lend anyone your password recently? They have to ask. I got it. I get it. I got it. So I said, I know you're going to ask me if I've given anyone my password lately. I've never given anyone my password. I couldn't because I don't even know what my password is. I said, I don't live with anyone. I made my life sound real great. I'm like, I'm quarantining by myself. It has been 40 days since I've seen another human. Before that, it was like two weeks since someone was in my apartment. I guarantee you they did not steal my Apple ID. They have one of their own. My parents are in their 80s. I have never lent them my Apple ID. They don't have iPhones or anything like that. My sisters have their own stuff. I have. It's not possible. And she's like, okay, I hear you. And then she takes me through the whole thing. She disputes the charges. And she goes, now, is it possible you just don't remember buying these? I go, I would remember if suddenly I became a person that watched all the Harold and Kumar, all the jackass movies, and porn. I said, I'm a 45-year-old woman in comedy. None of that interests me. And she was like, okay, not even listening. She's like, yeah, because I know a lot of people, like their parents, you know, they, they – a lot of people's parents don't have iTunes accounts, you know, because they don't want to spend the extra money. So their, their kids will loan them their, you know, ID during this time to watch movies. So did you do that? I'm like, I just fucking told you. I go, my parents are 82 in Massachusetts. They have a, a dial-up computer in the bedroom. They have a landline. I, we don't Zoom. 
nobody's zooming anybody. We're calling each other on the landlines. That's my parents. And if, and again, why would they watch fucking jackass? Anyway. Okay, okay. So then I'm like, I got to get to the bottom. Can I talk to someone about my password? Like, should I change my password? She goes, no, it's not a password thing. It's a credit card thing. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I believe her. I'm like, you know what? Enough nonsense for one night. I just had this feeling though. So I call back the next day and I talked to an Apple security person and he goes, no, it's not a credit card thing. It's a password thing. I said, how do you know? He said, well, all of these movies indicate that they were purchased on an Apple TV, but it doesn't say whose it is. I'm like, okay. Well, I definitely did not do that. And he said, um, but yeah, he goes, yeah, if you're looking at your credit card statement and you see the charges, then, then, you know, it's a credit card thing. And I said, but I'm not looking at my credit card statement. I got emails from Apple saying I bought these. He goes, wait, if you got emails saying it, it means they were bought through your account. I'm like, well, that's what I'm saying. So I obviously need to change my password because somebody obviously broke in. He's like, but they can't because you have two-factor authentication. I go, I get it. He goes, it's impossible to hack. And I said, well, somebody hacked it. And he was like, well, it's not possible. You must have lent it to someone. And I was like, dude, you have to tell me that it's possible to hack two-factor authentication. You have to tell me that it's possible because if not, I feel like I'm losing my mind because there is a world where I am, because I'm having all kinds of weird sleep things now, like night terrors. I'm, I'm like almost like sleep apnea-ing. I like hold my breath a lot. It's all anxiety. Am I sleepwalking and going to my Apple TV and buying Harold and Kumar and Jackass and porn? It just doesn't sound like me. It really was scaring me. I felt like I was going insane. I have this weird, just paranoid, creepy feeling now. I don't like it. And I said, is it, you know, I live in a condo. Could, 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 you know, sometimes when I pull up um, my Apple TV, like if I'm, if I'm taking my dance class on my computer, on the computer, and I want to stretch it and put it on the TV, it'll say like Barbara's Apple TV, which I think is like my neighbor or something. So maybe things pop up and it says Jen's Apple TV and somehow through that, like someone accidentally did it. Maybe it wasn't even stolen. And he was like, look, I just, you know, again, like no one believes me. I'm like, you guys know there's a pandemic, right? There's no one coming in my house. I'm not like Tuesdays is normally when everyone comes over and use my Apple password. So I'm just like, I guess I have to let it go, but something weird is going on. So the guy that I'm talking to keeps insisting that I must have bought these movies and I'm trying to explain anxiety to him. I'm like, listen, when you tell me that there's no other possibility except that I did this, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Um, And I said, Trust me, the biggest insult is that someone stole my account in order to buy shitty comedy like this. He didn't laugh. I was like, this is a, this is a good call. This is a good customer service call. I'm not one of these white women that's like, let me speak with your manager. I'm not a dick. I'm like really nice. I'm like, hey, dude, you know, like super chill. And I was just like, I'm so sorry to keep you on the phone. I'm just having trouble accepting that two-factor authentication cannot be hacked. It's like, have you seen, I mean, Listen, people, listen, listen, millennial Gen Zers, you didn't grow up with the hacker movies like we did in the 80s. The sky's the limit. Anything's possible, right? You know, like, like, what about, what about WikiLeaks and all that kind of stuff? Like, what, what about all the big hack? I mean, I know that's technically not a hacking, but what about all the, come on, things get hacked. Power grids go down. Things that weren't supposed to be hacked get hacked. How, you, really? Someone get Oh, Steve Jobs isn't here. Someone get someone else. Who's the second under Steve Jobs? Can I talk to him? So anyway, if anyone knows anything about that, please fucking weigh in because I am freaking out about either my mind is going or someone's hiding under my couch and buying weird shit on my TV. I I couldn't believe they kept insisting. Well, it must be someone in your closet then. So, and this is why I think of the Jesus every day that I made the choice to live in a doorman building where I still feel unsafe because sometimes I just get scared, but living in a house freaks me out. Okay. I do not like any of that. Oh, my whole thing about Better Call Saul is how did I, where did I go with that? 
my whole point about it is that I was in a dark mood from watching too much of it. Oh, I just did that Bob story. Is I've wanted to watch it for the longest time, but I got it in my head. First of all, it's hilarious. I didn't know it was still on the air. I didn't know the season or series finale just happened. I'm on season four. Um, I thought the whole thing was done. So eventually I'm going to catch up and be waiting like the rest of you, and it's going to make me nuts. But I kept asking people, I really want to watch it because I love Bob Odenkirk. I love his acting. I want to see a show about this kind of shady guy. It's totally up my alley. But do I need to know anything about Breaking Bad? Because I know that it's, you know, after, I kept saying it's after Breaking Bad. It's after Breaking Bad. So are they going back and referencing that show a lot? And everyone was like, um, there's a lot of good stuff. And then people just start talking about Breaking Bad. I just found out by reading an article about, you know, that it's the season or series finale of Better Call Saul. They're like the prequel to Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh, it's a prequel? Then I don't need to know anything about Breaking Bad. I don't, I need to know nothing. That that world doesn't exist yet to Jimmy McGill, who becomes Saul Goodman. That, that world doesn't exist. The fuck do I need to? I need to know nothing about it. Not even, well, it's better if you do, but you can totally watch it without knowing. No, no one even said that. People be like, oh, do you see? But like, nobody listens. Nobody gives good answers to anything. All anyone had to say was, oh, it's a prequel. It's nothing to do with the, the other thing. Oh, yeah, the only thing to do with it is it's the same guy. And then he goes and does that show. Yeah, no, but I know, but I don't need to watch. No, no, no. It's not like Three's Company when they change uh, Janet's or, I mean, they change Chrissy's. Like, no, you, you should, well, that's not a good example. Anyway. If only anyone had just said, it's a prequel, I would have been like, done, conversation over. People are so stupid. Ask them one thing, they start going off about Breaking Bad. That's why I don't talk to anybody. (laughs) I totally talk to people. But that's why I very rarely talk about television shows. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, Let me read you this article. So here we are, end of the episode. We made it. I made it through. I made it through the years. So there's going to be a lot of mispronunciation, so I'm just going to fake it, try to get through it. This is about a Danish-German border love with elderly people who are 89 and 85. New York Times. So after I read this, we will say adieu. Please sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash Kirkman. Send me an email, iSeemFun at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps. Everyone says it does. And please check out the podcast network I'm on. I'm part of the Sklarbro Country podcast family. They've got a lot of other podcasts that they sponsor there. Thanks to the Sklar Brothers for uh, putting this all together. S-K-L-A-R-BroCountry.com. Lots of other great podcasts on there that you might love. So, Here we go. A closed border can't stop this elderly couple who say love is the best thing in the world. The coronavirus has separated families and severed supply chains, but a pair of lovers, 89 and 85, have found a romantic way to keep almost in touch. I'm going to show the camera this picture of them. Probably can't see it that well. Why do I keep looking not at the camera? Anyway, by Patrick Kingsley. On the Molahuzavig border crossing, Molahuzavig. Listen, I'm just gonna make up names. At the border crossing, she drives from the Danish side in her Toyota Yaris. He cycles from the German side on his electric bike. She brings the coffee and the table. He the chairs and the schnapps. They sit down on either side of the border, a yard or two apart. And that is how two octogenarian lovers have kept their romance alive despite the closure of the border that falls between his home in the very north of Germany and hers in the very south of Denmark. Every day since the police shut the border to contain the virus, Karsten Hansen, an 89-year-old retired farmer, and Inga Rasmussen, an 85-year-old former caterer, have met at the M border at the M border crossing to chat, joke and drink while maintaining a modicum of social distance. 
We're here because of love, said Mr. Hansen when I visited them last week. Love is the best thing in the world. Then he poured another glass of schnapps. The couple's unlikely romance began in Denmark two summers ago in a slightly less sentimental fashion. Mr. Hansen, carrying a grand bouquet of flowers, was on his way to drop in unannounced on another elderly Danish widow he'd known for decades. But before he reached her house, he met Ms. Rasmussen as they were both in line at a strawberry stand beside a traffic circle. Rather taken, he decided against visiting the first woman. What a dog! Instead, Mr. Hansen impulsively gave the flowers to Ms. Rasmussen. He then invited her to dinner in Germany, and the pair soon grew close, much to the surprise of Ms. Rasmussen's three daughters. Never marry a German, Ms. Rasmussen had often warned them as teenagers, not from xenophobia, but because she wanted them to live close to her home. Yeah, right. Now they say to me, Mother, what are you doing? Miss Rasmussen said. The match was also surprising for more poignant reasons. Both had been widowed in recent years after more than six decades of marriage for each, and both thought their days of companionship had ended. I never dreamed this would happen, Miss Rasmussen said. But against all expectations, Miss Rasmussen began to visit Mr. Hansen every day, thanks to European regulations that had for years allowed free movement between countries like Denmark and Germany. The pair typically cooked a daily meal together, chatting in a mixture of German and Danish. Then Miss Rasmussen usually stayed overnight before returning to her own home in Denmark for a few hours the next morning. The happy routine came to an abrupt halt on March 13th when the Danish government announced it would close its borders the next day to all but people traveling for work. Frightened she would be locked out of her homeland, Miss Rasmussen hurried back to her house in Denmark, a 15-minute drive away. Neither knew when they'd next hold the other's hand. But then they hatched a plan. On a quiet lane that winds through the flat farmland between their two homes, a few hundred meters from where Mr. Hansen was born, the police blocked the road only with a flimsy plastic barrier. It's about halfway between their two homes, so Miss Rasmussen and Mr. Hansen have met there for a picnic every afternoon since the shutdown, usually at 3 p.m. In gentle deference to medical advice, they try to avoid physical contact. The worst thing is we can't embrace each other, Mr. Hansen said. We can't kiss. We can't make love. Each day, Mr. Hansen brings Miss Rasmussen a present. When I visited, it was a bottle of Merlot, though Miss Rasmussen drinks only coffee until the Toyota is safely parked back at home. In return, Miss Rasmussen brings cookies, a cake, and sometimes even a cooked lunch. If there's respect and acceptance, then sex is not so important, Mr. Hansen declared. The Danish police have threatened to find them if they stray over the border, Mr. Hansen said. But galvanized by the presence of a journalist, Mr. Hansen clambered past the plastic fence to point out an old border stone hidden in the bushes. It was another moment of poignancy. In the early 20th century, the border lay much further to the north. But in a plebiscite on March 14, 1920, the residents of what was then the northern tip of Germany voted to join Denmark. That decision shifted the border southward to this stretch of farmland as denoted by the old stone in the bushes. In 2001, the border effectively disappeared again as Denmark joined a border-free zone within the European Union. But then on March 14, 2020, exactly 100 years after the plebiscite, the border barriers were erected once more. My parents saw when the stone was installed, Mr. Hansen said. Now I see these barriers go up. The Danish mayor of a nearby town, Henrik Fransden, first noticed the couple's routine. Cycling along the border 10 days after it was closed, Mr. Fransen struck up a conversation with them. 
Touched by their story, he later posted a picture of them on Facebook. Within days, they had become regional celebrities, the focus of several reports in local newspapers and radio stations. I think it brings some people hope, a little bit of light in the darkness, said Mr. Franston, who cycled over again to introduce me to the couple. You have these elderly people who found a way out. As a result, the couple's picnic spot has become the site of a minor pilgrimage. Journalists and residents from both sides of the border visit the couple most afternoons. <laughs> They're probably like, could you leave us the fuck alone? When I turned up, a German reporter was already there, and a Danish couple arrived soon after, delighted to find the story was true. But the couple has received one visitor with slightly more mixed feelings. It was Kristen Hansen, the woman to whom Mr. Hansen had originally planned to give the bouquet two summers ago. Why do they have the same name? She had not known about Mr. Hansen's amorous intentions. He did not tell her he had intended to visit, and in any case, he never turned up. She only learned about the near miss from the flurry of recent news coverage. Hey, she said laughing, those flowers were meant for me. That's how the story ends. <laughs> oh, good sport. She's a good sport. All right. Until next week, have fun.